Cougs house. All right. We said it on Saturday, but dang, the Cougs survived another one. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel, here to break down all things Cougs. If you of age fans, just say, hey, can you stop by? Please be sure to hit subscribe down below. That way you can make sure you get the latest on the Cougs each and every day. Uh, we bring it to you each and every weekday. Talk all things Cougars all the time. So make sure you subscribe to make Locked On Cougs your first lesson of the day. Welcome back to YouTube channel. If you found us, we're breaking back into the new year. Uh, happy New Year to all the folks at home. We did just break the 250 subscribers mark, and we're already up to 270, almost five-ish as of the recording of this. At the time you're listening to this, we might be up past that at that point. Um, remember, we're going to give another giveaway. We had a giveaway at 250. Uh, I'm going to confirm when he receives his T-shirt uh, to our giveaway winner then, and we'll talk about it after that. But we're going to do another one at 500, right? So every 250 subscribers are giving away some sort of a T-shirt. That was Marcus Sasser t-shirt. Um, this one might be the Sparkle brand. I don't know if you guys have seen Sparkle brand doing some cool NIL work with the Cougs. Um, so maybe we'll do them or Star Pizza or something. We'll see. But if you how about this, uh, to enter in the contest, obviously got to get to 500 subscribers. So make sure you subscribe. That way we hit 500. You can get there faster. And then to be commenting on the episodes, comment on uh, what Houston Cougar themed t-shirt kind of thing you're going to want. We'll figure out a way to get it done. We'll see how it goes. All right. Um, Today's episode is all about breaking down the big win over the weekend over the UCF Knights uh, in men's college basketball. Now, uh, first segment is going to be kind of a game recap. Second segment is going to be answering one big question about one rather large freshman that I think we all have some questions about after uh, after the game. And then the third segment is going to be looking ahead because as much as Houston survived that game, they got to do this whole UCF thing all over again at the end of this month. So we'll get into all that as we get going. But first... Let's look at the game itself. Uh, five standout players. J1 Roberts, 12 points, 5 of 10 shooting, 5 rebounds. Get more on him in a minute. Jamal Shedd, 11 points, 3 of 12 shooting, 4 assists, and 2 steals. JVR Francis, big man off the bench, 9 points, 3 of 5 shooting, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, which is tremendous for the big guy. Uh, also, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and 1 gargantuan volleyball style block. Marcus Astor had his normal 18 points, 7 of 20 shooting, 3 steals, 4 assists for the. Uh, Future NBA guard Tremont Mark, 19 points, 6 and 9 shooting, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block. Let's talk a little bit about Marcus, uh, sorry, about Tremont Mark first, because kind of the sparks of the offense the first half. And frankly, the only thing that really got going in the first half was Tremont Mark. He started off making his first five shots of the game, and it felt like there was one moment that everything kind of shifted for Tremont. There was a flagrant foul after a uh, Loose ball at that situation. Anyway, Darius Johnson kind of shoves him after the fact. Uh, Samson, you know, they call Flagrant foul. Samson talks to those guys, says, hey, calm down, whatever. And the post-game press conference, Samson pointed out, he told his guys, they're looking for it now. They always catch the second guy. Don't start anything and don't retaliate, right? Uh, that was kind of his MO after the fact. It sounds like Samson was. But that flagrant itself, when you know Darius Johnson took it upon himself to give an extra shove to Tremont Mark after he'd already fallen down, Seemed to kind of spark him. After that, he went on to make the flagrant free throw. He then hit a three, had a steal. And then in the next three possessions, an offense had two twos and an assist for a huge dunk. A great, a, like, no look. He got by his man, 
absorbed the big man and no look drafted off to Javier Francis for a big, big dunk in between his own two mid-range jump shots. It was a crazy stretch there for Tremont Mark that extended a, you know, one-point lead, close game kind of situation out to a 13-point lead really, really fast. Um, and so Tremont Mark kind of took that upon himself at one point, he had a, his own 12-6 to 6 run, Jamal Mark did, versus the UCF Knights. Um, and frankly, that separation kind of built a cushion that Houston kind of relied upon. Uh, there was moments the offense kind of stalled out, and they kind of had that nice wiggle room of a cushion, I should say, uh, to let, like, you know, their defense is great, but it's not a zero points per possession. No one pitches a shutout in college basketball. Um, so when their offense is stalled out, they kind of had some room, right? Um, Marcus Sasser, I should point out, uh, he did start off very hot from three, um, he kind of, he got into the, first of all, he started off hot from three. Um, he went, uh, I believe it was three, four from three point line to start the game, uh, in his first half, I should say. And they started running him off the three point line. Like at all costs, you see, I was gonna say, we're going to r- push him back into the two point line. They got some length at the Ram. They're going to try and force him out of the shots. Um, I would argue, and I think Marcus he dem- demonstrated, he would argue that, he got fouled on some of those things. And so it was interesting to see like his shooting percentage of the game dropped when a little bit tighter whistle, honestly, he might've had a fairly high shooting percentage because there was a lot of contact on jump shots around his hands and elbows on jump shots that didn't get called. Um, they kind of let stuff go. So I don't mean to say like it was one-sided or whatever, but if those calls get made in a tightly called game, Sasser has a tremendous shooting percentage and probably has more like the 25, 28 points on the game. Um, big, big night from him. I think the night though, obviously Tremont Mark starts it, but J1 Roberts, who we started off with at the top of the stats finished it. Um, coach was really, really um, giving credit to him. Coach Sampson was in the post game presser talking about um, how they played through him because he demonstrated he was like ready. Like he talks about like having like watched J1 Roberts grow up as opposed to some, some of the younger guys on this team um, and how like, they rode that once they realized that he was going to be the horse in the second half, they rode that all the way through. Um, and frankly, it was interesting to see him operate kind of like a high post four man traditional, like in like nineties, two thousand early two thousand basketball, power forward kind of sense where he's operating in that 10 to 15 foot area. He was able to get his right shoulder into folks and hit little, you know, eight footers, his left hand. Uh, he got to the rim for a big and one at uh, the key point in the late part of the game when Houston was kind of like build enough separation to hold off for the rest of the clock. Um, I, I thought it was interesting and let's, so obviously Samson gave him a lot of credit and I think he had like the standout, like winning performance of the game. Tremont Mark obviously had had meant the start, but J1 Roberts had a big, big finish. Samson in the post game, I think, mentioned interestingly enough that like there was this crucial moment where Houston has a 13 point lead in the first half and they can kind of keep right in the hot hands and expand it or not. And what ends up happening and is that they don't because Jarris Walker fouls another three point shooter and Jarris Walker fouls three point shooter um, guy banks in the three after getting fouled. And then I guess they don't get the rebound right there, but that cuts the lead quickly. It goes from like, uh, rebound goes out of bounds. There's another two points. It goes from a 13-point lead to an eight-point lead. Instead of just solid defense, transition to a two-point field goal to get to 15-point lead. And that big, you know, eight, nine-point lead versus 15-point lead kind of symbolized a lot for Sampson. I think he took that away and really harped on that in a way that makes me think that kind of seems to be the moment where he felt like they should have put their foot on the gas and like gone full throttle over UCF. And they did not, right? Um, and so, you know, Samson pointed out this is a really young team. 
Jarris Walker is a true freshman. He's a top 10 lottery pick this spring, or I should say this summer, um, and, and all of those things. He is that kind of basketball player. He will have one of the best NBA careers of anyone to come through the University of Houston this side of like Olajuwon and Drexler, right? And who knows, maybe he ends up one day getting to all that kind of stuff too. But he's still a, a freshman making those kinds of mistakes, right? Um, and, and making those kind of mistakes, I thought the metaphor I thought was interesting that Samson used in the post game was that it felt like he was uh, he needed two and a half months of Gorilla Glue, aka the rest of the season, to kind of like start plugging all the holes in the ship as stuff was coming up, as water was coming into the ship. Uh, not that the ship is sinking by any stretch, it's just that he's gluing it together to keep it afloat. Um, he mentioned in the last segment, I'll talk some about uh, that he thought UCF did a great job of clogging the pick and roll lanes and guards weren't able to beat guys one on one. I thought that was really interesting. But the part that I thought was most interesting was how little we saw Jarris uh, Walker. But before we talk into uh, talk too much about that, let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn is, if you know it, if you ever applied for a job, you had to have used LinkedIn at some point. But LinkedIn is the place where you're going to get to you know, put your resume out there for businesses and where businesses will find your resumes. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 will depend on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles to people who have skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond the uh, resume data by using insights from your job posts, uh, company, and the other 875 million member profiles to post your job in front of the most qualified candidates. You're going to find the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. That's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so as I alluded to before, we talked a little bit about LinkedIn. Um, I think, interestingly enough, uh, people have kind of grown accustomed to seeing this happen some, and so I'm going to pull the stat sheet up some, but um, Houston starts five guys. Four of the five starters played 34 or more of the 40 minutes. That's a lot. And Jairus Walker, the five-star, soon-to-be top-10 draft pick, played just 18. And I think a lot of people look at that and like, what happened there? He did have three first half fouls, but what happened there with his rotation throughout the game? Uh, I think interestingly enough, first of all, I think let's talk about things he did well. He did draw the Taylor Hendricks matchup and athletically he was able to one-on-one stay in front of Taylor Hendricks, UCF's soon to be drafted one and done kind of guy themselves. Um, he stayed in front of him very well. We talked about in the pregame in the preview episode last week about how like that was the guy to stop Jairus Walker was doing as well a job as you could reasonably expect anyone to do. I mean, Hendricks is a pro. He's going to get his, but uh, Jairus was doing a good job staying in front of him. Um, But being so preoccupied with him as a young guy that Jairus is kind of slowed him down to help side. And that really, unfortunately, uh, I say unfortunate, that help side defense is one of the things that Jairus Walker does as well as anyone in the country. And it's one of those things that makes him a top-tier draft pick, right? Like being able to, from the opposite short corner, take a two-step gallop and defend both sides of the rim, right? Because he can cover with the wingspan he's got and the vertical he's got to get up above the rim. That's a tremendous side of his game. I also think it's worth pointing out, as I switch back to my name and not LinkedIn, um, I I think that it's worth pointing out that, like, 
Jairus Walker doesn't just do that well. He does that like exceptionally well for the next level, even as a six, eight and change, maybe six, nine kind of wing defender, because then they get the ball out to, you know, typically a guy that can defend the rim that well, they just give it to Hendricks on the wing and let him go by. But Walker's not going to give that up either. Right. Um, but being slow to help was unfortunate because that's what he does so well. And if he's not doing that so well, you know, what's he going to do? Um, the other thing I think is interesting that he was expending so much energy on defense. It seemed to take him out of the offense. He was 0 for 5 from the field. He, he took one three, didn't make it. He did have two points. He made a couple free throws after getting fouled on a dunk that, unfortunately, I feel like if he doesn't get fouled on the dunk, gets the dunk down. You know, once you see the ball through the basket, does it change how things go? Get your mojo back or whatever. Um, it was a great find, by the way, also. That, uh, I think it was Tremont Mark had him on a back cut. Would have been in one uh, if he just could have put it down, right? Um, actually, now I think about it, it was actually Jamal Shed, but that not here there. Um, it he's still trying to find his way though as a part of a four out offense because he's out there. Houston has been running more of a true four out offense when he's not in catch and shoot, right? If he's shooting the ball well, his catch and shoot game opens up a lot because then the defense overhelps or whatever or over commits on the you know closeouts or whatever, and he can go buy it and get more of his like five foot floater which is so soft for a guy his size um or he can get all the way to the rim right those kinds of things open up when he's shooting the ball well when he's not shooting the ball on the jump shots catches your jump shots particularly well he's still finding his way and i think the thing that houston fans have to remember is that like most one and done freshmen don't choose a program like houston with some like a a coach as like aggressive as samson they don't choose to go got work hard for a guy like that Credit to Jarris for doing that. Not every freshman five-star guy is going to choose to go get coached by guys coaching as hard as Kelvin Sampson is. That's a good thing for his future, trust me. The other thing I'll say too, though, is that like if you're a one-and-done freshman at middle Tennessee Valley, Tech, Tech State, Oregon, whatever, right? Insert some like 80-bit, whatever. Um, it's all running through you. So there's nothing else. I mean, when Cade Cunningham was Oklahoma State, there was no other stakes on the game. It was cater bust everything they did. Houston's got options, and bluntly, Houston's got their sights set on NRG come early April, right? Like they're trying to get through March and be playing in April, and that's a that's a big thing. They've got to win the games and got to show that continue to get better as a team for that. So when they don't have necessarily the luxury of saying we can take an L if Jarris is going to have a bad night, instead they're going to continue to find ways to win, right? Um, now. He did get subbed out and miss a lot of the first half after that three-point foul. And that seems to be a sticking point with Sampson. And again, I go back to if you watch Houston teams or go back and listen to the episode at the start of the basketball season where I heard got to go listen to Coach Sampson talk to a coaching clinic about he coaches his guys to run past three-point shooters, contest high and over the ball, and you literally jump, you jump away from and around the three-point shooter and are more of a distraction. They literally work on landing, planting, and boxing out afterwards, right? They say go past, and it's all in avoiding fouls because of the way modern game goes. Again, Samson's a defensive genius. This is like relatively innovative, and you're seeing it catch on the last couple of years, but like Samson's been doing this, right? And so it drives him crazy when guys foul jump shooters like Jarris kind of has a tendency to do. He's a young, aggressive talented defender he's just getting baited into these fouling of jump shooters um he also he fouls the three-point jump shooter gives him the and one on a bank shot because he hits him whatever doesn't give him landing space like less than two game minutes after having almost fouled another 
right? Um, he came up from behind and swatted down. And a more ticky tack referee might have called a foul and some of the follow through there. Um, and so I think that that's the deal too for Samson's like really in Samson's mind, he got called for one, but it was kind of two, right? And we saw in the Alabama game, he pulled him for the same thing. And it's, it's really just a sticking point for Samson. He comes out of the game though. And then Javier Francis comes in and plays out of his mind, right? Javier Francis is immediately the length is turning shots to the rim. He's, he's helping out with Hendricks in the backside. He's a, able to come back to the low post on the front side. Um, he's able to do all those things. And, Jawan Roberts, Jawan Roberts was able to play the four spot in a way that he wasn't the four out. Like when Jarris Walker is in, they can go almost, it feels like a four guard setup, right? With a lot more space to drive. They weren't quite able to do that, but Jawan Roberts is able to play from that 15 foot area, like a more traditional power forward does. I mentioned in the opening segment. And that meant that a, there were still some driving lanes and B it didn't take Houston out of anything offensively to have the Francis link down low Jawan Roberts in the mid post, high post area, and then Mark shooting the lights out in the first half, Sash shooting the lights out, and then Jamal Shedd distributing the ball. Like all of that worked kind of congruently in a way that why, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Uh, Javier Francis played 19 minutes coming off the bench, right? That's a big, big thing to, rem- to remember. Um, worth pointing out, coach mentioned in the post game that with an intensive first week back from a couple days off at Christmas. Uh, Reggie Cheney is kind of dealing with a tight back. And so he only got nine minutes worth pointing out. He might've gotten more than that. Um, I don't know where those minutes would have come from, but he might've gotten more than that. Um, all that is to say that Houston's trying to win games in a way that they may not get to have the freshman learning lessons throughout these moments. They may have to happen in the film room or in first halves, as opposed to second halves when it's time to win basketball games. Right. And that's, that's the way it goes. I mean, and honestly, Jarris Walker signed up to come to Houston to get coached by Samson and to win. And that's, that's what this is, right? Um, a lot of people on Twitter that were not happy with the fact they didn't play. And last but not least, before we get into looking at the next matchup with UCF, um, a lot of people were a- asking where Terrence Arsenal was. Terrence Arsenal didn't end up in the game. I do not have any indications of an undisclosed injury in the postgame stuff. He was all stood up, dressed out, ready to roll. Um, but I will say that when you play – I would argue three guys that will get paid to play basketball in the backcourt moving into the future. Um, They also uh, pulled off Emmanuel Sharp as the first guard off the bench. Um, And the moments that Terrence Arsenal has looked at his best, aside from some like last five or six minutes against Tulsa stuff, Arsenal's looked best against zone. UCF very much was a full court man type of team, right? That's not really the the type of defense we've seen Arsenal play well against. Um, And Houston's got three guards in rotation that I think all get paid to play basketball. I'm not sure what level Jamal Shedd is because he's kind of an undersized guard and his three-point shooting is not quite where Sasser is. But Sasser will be a first-round draft pick this summer. Jamon Mark may very well himself be a first-round draft pick in the next summer, if not a second-round draft pick this summer, right? Like, Terrence Arsenal is going to get drafted on potential whenever he goes. If he, I mean, if he goes this summer, he'll get drafted on potential for sure. But that's a tough rotation to work his way into. And at the end of the day, we know that he's coming into bus zones if that's, the, if that's what UCF had done. That's just not what they did. And so would I like to see him get some more minutes? Yes. Do I think that he's got some interesting stuff? And I like to see more off the bounce. Yes. But to date, if I'm looking at like what they've done and been successful with, 
it's been with him as more of a zone buster. And that's not what UCF did. Um, and so I wonder if it's the kind of thing where, A, you know, uh, much like the Jarrett Walker conversation, Houston's trying to win games. They got to focus on winning those as well. It can't just be freshman development. And B, you know, is it the kind of thing where they're, they're not going to tell us that he is tight, just like Reggie Cheney was tight, and they didn't tell us Reggie Cheney was tight until after the game, right? Who, who knows and all of that? Um, I will say, if I were a betting man, that honestly, I imagine he plays a fairly sizable role come A, American Athletic Conference Tournament, and B, NCAA Tournament, because he's such an athletic guy that, you know, if you don't have as much tape on throughout the year, you're not watching his growth. And I also think that he will be a pro in his own right one day if I'm a betting person that is. Speaking of being a betting person, let's talk about betonline.net. Now, betonline.net is the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You need the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season, basketball, uh, all of it. All of it's at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find their them those you can find those there as well. It's a lot of ths. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting info. You head to the website today or use Motivite to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, so this weekend we had a couple of great college football games and the college football playoff, leaving us with TCU and Georgia in the final. Here's the deal: I told you leading up to that college football playoff game to go bet TCU to at least keep it at under seven and a half. Right? They were given. Uh, they were giving Michigan a seven and a half point favor. It's like TCU is going to keep it closer than that. TCU ended up winning. They're giving Georgia a 13 and a half point start on TCU. I think it's a 13 and a half point game. I'm telling you again, that's not going to happen. <laughs> TCU will keep it closer than that. I don't know if they win the game or not. I'm not sure I'm going to put them on money line. I will say though that TCU 13 and a half points. I'm taking those for sure. I guess he's coming down to another last second field goal or touchdown, or who knows if it goes to overtime. I'm taking that. I'm taking TCU to beat those points for sure. I'm telling you to go do it at betonline.net. All right. So in our last segment here, I think it's worth pointing out that UCF is one of these teams in the American Athletic Conference that Houston has to play twice. Um, Houston hosts them on Christmas Eve, a Christmas Eve day. I guess it was a one o'clock game. And then they go back to Central Florida to play their future Big 12 opponent uh, in Florida on January 25th. And so some things I think that they need to take away from the film and looking at how that game is going to go at the end of the month. Again, they're about a month apart. I know that Samson and crew will be looking at all of the game tape. And frankly, I'd imagine Sunday's practice after some stretches of that game got stalled out uh, offensively will be very, very difficult. But um they're going to need to worry about Taylor Hendricks. Now, Taylor Hendricks continuing to grow up will be a problem. He has grown up a lot this season. I watched in preparation for the preview episode a couple of his games against, I think it was like Oklahoma State and stuff like that early in the season. Um, he's, he's gotten noticeably better. He's gotten better already. And so if he's already gotten better, I'm only that much more worried about where he will be come a month from now. Um, I, I think the thing that I was most impressed with him uh, in this game versus – previous games is how well he was cutting to the rim without the basketball had a couple big dunks um that those cutting and those action or those cuts and those actions uh, created more of a rim pressure without the ball than houston i think was ready for because they hadn't really shown it uh as much uh in previous games i I also think as we're pointing out that like because he did so much more without the basketball it kind of opened up other guys uh 
Darius Johnson, who did commit the uh, the flavor pal that I guess got Tremont Mark going, had his own 17 points. Um, and then CJ Kelly had 11. Uh, you know, is there a world where Taylor Hendricks has more than 14 because he go, shoots better than one for seven for the three point line? Probably. Again, he's a legitimately 40% or better three point shooter on the season. So, like, theoretically, he could have easily had 20, right? Um, just two more of those looks go in because that's kind of what his average is. Could have been bad. Um, I was also impressed defensively but with Hendricks by how well he's tracking the ball off the rim for a freshman. That means in rebounding terms, like he's following the ball for like an old Dennis Rodman was always talked about, like one of the best of that in the NBA. Um, Taylor Hendricks did a really, really good job of following the ball off the rim. Um, and then he runs the fast break very, very well, trails guards, follows guards, gives space in the guards, etc. When they have the ball and he's following for whatever to get his own points. Um, and getting ready to play these guys again, they're going to have to get ready for, a again, a very talented future pro and all of that. Um, I also think it's worth pointing out that, like, while they defended the three-point line well in this game, some of those are also just plain misses, and so they're going to have to continue to run guys off the three-point line. I mean, they attempted 27 threes of their 54 shots. It's shooting half their shots from beyond the arc. Um, Houston's got to force more mid-range mid jump shots off that. Um, I also think, in looking at ahead at this, um, Central Florida figured out that they were going to live with Jamal Shedd shooting threes. Jamal Shedd was one of six from the three-point line. And frankly, once Jermon Mark got going, they kind of changed their matchups up a little bit um, and put kind of their more, let's say, lackadaisical. They're, they're weaker of three defenders on Jamal Shedd and just sagged off because Jamal Shedd is crazy fast and athletic and said, hey, we're going to play you in a drop coverage in the pick and roll. We're going to make sure you shoot jump shots and they live with it. Now, is there a world where Jamal Shedd gets hot and makes them pay for it? Yes. And then they might be screwed. But Houston needs to find some sort of a way to, even in a too big lineup, get Jamal Shedd more involved offensively to punish them for doing that. Because he's too good an athlete for them to just get stalled out on offense like they did because they backed all the way off. But also, it was effective. Houston had stretches of the second half where they just did not score. They had a cushion, so they could kind of alternate some possessions without scoring um, and, and pull off the victory like they did. But at the end of the day, that was not good to see because you got to go play these guys again at home, and UCF's going to shoot better at home. Their crowd's going to be into it at home. right? This is two teams moving in the Big 12. This is kind of like... UCF, I'm sure, wants to build this up to be some kind of a Big 12 rivalry because we've seen each other so many times over the last few years anyway, right? Um, I would be concerned, or I should say I am concerned, but if I'm Samson, I'm definitely something I'm marking down, moving into that game at the end of the month and how we create more action or more movement um, because it felt like throughout the game they'd space and they, they didn't do a whole lot of pace. It was space and find a mismatch, go to Tremont Mark. Space find a mismatch, go to Marcus Sasser. Space, find a mismatch, go to Juwan Roberts. And it it worked enough. I I just worry that the while the product of that is good, the process of that is not what they showed against a Virginia, right? It is not what they showed even in they, when they built the lead against Alabama, right? It's not what they showed at points in the season when they scored the ball very, very well. And um, admittedly, when you've got great athletes like they do, one of the best things they did against Tulsa just a few days ago was spreading out, attacking the nail, and then they knew Tulsa was going to trim me, kind of cut off layups. They pulled up for mid-range jump shots, right? Um, I'm not saying that it can't be something you go to. I am saying, though, that I think they have to have something more process-based because they're going to need to score more points in Central Florida than they did at home. 
Um, I, just because I think Central Florida is going to score more points too. We'll talk all about it all week long. We got a big game against the Ponies, the Mustangs. We go, uh, they come to town on Thursday. We're going to be previewing that. We're hoping to talk some Big Twelve recruiting. Though we have some recruits signed. Uh, we're going to talk all those kinds of things all week long at Lockdown Cougs. You can follow me on Twitter at all your social media handles uh, at Painsworth five one two P A I N S W O R T H five one two on Twitter, Instagram, social, all the things you want to find me on. I will talk Cougs basketball, football, recruiting, etc. Rockets, Astros, a wall of sneak. I just got a pair of these. Um, my University of Houston Lucas. Uh, I'm going to call them that anyway. I'm going to look at those as well. Um, sorry, I'm just showing off what I got these days. All things at Painsworth512 on Twitter, Instagram, etc. Uh, thank you so much for looking at us for your first listen of the day. You're looking us up for your first listen of the day. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm going to re- recommend Locked On Astros. They've been doing a good job with po- with off-season content. And just last week, I'm not going to tell you who, but they did have a Houston sports writer on to talk all things Astros. And they got in a little kooks talk. So go check them out as well, Locked On Astros, for your second listen of the day. Thank you all so much for making for listening to us, Locked On Kooks, Locked On as a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go Kooks.